there. Thanks for listening to the Infinite Podcast, where we want to challenge the people of God to see the realities of their context and reflect on and reformulate concepts such as mission, missionary, mission field, holistic mission, and more. Greetings from the International Fellowship for Mission as Transformation, also known as Infinite. We're glad you're with us. I'm Mina Mantalaba, Content and Communication Specialist at Infinite. This interview is part of a blog series that looks to explore the intersection between art, creativity, and theology. Today, we have the opportunity to hear from Zach Stewart about his artwork. Specifically, we'll be taking a closer look at the piece titled The Medicine, published with music from D. Wilson, along with Common Hymnal. Zach, thank you for joining us here today. Thank you so much. I am excited. (laughs) All right, to start off, could you actually tell us a little bit about your life and work? Yeah. Um, Well, currently, I am taking a break from university (laughs) Um, because I was studying art last year, but I've just, COVID was getting in the way. It wasn't really fun studying online um, or um, helpful. So I've just been using this year to do some other stuff, um, also art. Um, but yeah, I mean, my big focus in, in is art and creativity. Um, and also, it's just, yeah, a lot of engaging in church spaces. I'm very interested in how art can move people. Um, and touch people and hold people and and yeah and just I guess especially in terms of justice and injustice um yeah lament speak truth yeah yeah (laughs) but it's a big mixture of things (laughs) yes along with that um a big part of art I believe also is context so can you tell me a bit of your background and what communities and contexts are important to your story Hmm. So I'm from, well, I am from um, the land that the indigenous peoples of this land called Hui Kaib. Um, a lot of other people know it as Cape Town. Um, and I've been here my whole life, though my mom is from the USA. Um, so I have that identity as well. Um, so I'm, you know, I think I, I hold those <laughs> I'm always holding what that means um, to be white in South Africa and to be United Statesian and from the global north um, in the rest of the world. Um, but yeah, in Cape Town, I'm very connected. I know <laughs> um, you had Tandi um, Gomedze in another podcast with the warehouse. So my family is very connected in with them. And yeah, and then. I'm just, I don't know, always finding cool people around Cape Town in different spaces, um, church spaces, queer spaces. Yeah. Love that. Along with that, um, I'd love to ask who or what inspired you and if you have any mentors or other artists that inspire you. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess not famous people necessarily, but there's just so many, I guess, creatives um, and people, I think I hold creativity loosely. And so people like Tandy (laughs) from the warehouse, but the warehouse, um, 
a lot of my queer friends and um, different church spaces in Cape Town, Rene August has also been on here, um, as well as um, recently I've been quite influenced by the Inverse community, which is connected to Jared McKenna and Drew Hart. Um, yeah. And then I guess as far as artists, just, you know, um, Tracy Chapman has always been someone that's really, I think just because of how she speaks to honestly and like speaks honestly and poetically to um, the issues of the world. And I'm gonna add my friend Ronald, <laughs> who's an amazing artist and also does stuff with Common Hymnal. Mm, yeah. Love that. I love how, yeah, art I feel like is thrives in community and really it's not so much big names that help mm. us along but the mentors and just people in our everyday life that inspire us just by being there and living their lives as true as possible mm, so many so many sources I guess <laughs> definitely so today we'll be discussing the piece titled The Medicine. If you want to pause here, we invite you to check out the full video linked in the description and then continue on here with us with the discussion. So The Medicine, can you tell us the story behind this specific piece? Definitely. Um, it's actually quite wild because I am, um, so I'm not someone who I'll definitely say from my experience, of a lot of worship music. I haven't gravitated towards, I guess the label Christian art um, and worship music, but I kind of joke accidentally that I've become a bit like of a Christian artist because I'm working with Common Hymnal. And um, the way that came about is I just listened to a podcast that they were interviewed on. I followed them on Instagram and got a message like a few hours later saying, we love your art, we'd love to connect. And then within like a few days, I was on a call with Mel, who happens to be South African as well, um, and used to be part of an anti-apartheid worship band. And he basically, we connected and it turned out they needed a music video. And so basically the medicine was churned out in nine days. Um, from that point and it's a it's about police brutality and racism um, in the USA particularly um, sorry for choosing a USA centric thing but I just felt like um, yeah I think that whole the whole movement of Black Lives Matter especially in the last year ignited something worldwide where we were seeing police brutality against black bodies is such a global reality. And so, yeah, Dee Wilson wrote this song um, and there we go. Wow, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of love that it is a piece set in time and yet, in a sense, it's also so timeless because, as you said, it's an ongoing pandemic in and of itself, police brutality, mm -hmm. especially against Black, Indigenous, and marginalized communities. Um, but also, it's, you know, part of the history and part of the future if we don't change, if we don't, if there's no change in the way that we respond. Um, and mm. I think especially as the church, um, I think some of the 
iconography that you used and scenes that you used were so reminiscent again, like you said, um, it's something that's repetitive and all over the world. Um, so I guess specifically in this piece, can you tell us a bit more about the process of what that was like? Was it um, listening to the music first and then um, it was published in September and at that point last year, this has been a thing for months um, that was really prevalent in the news. What was that process for you? Yeah, I mean, it was very fast. Um, as I said, it was like done in nine days. It was about 90 hours of work. Um, and it was coming up with like constant imagery um, and, and ways to communicate. So this particular project was very intense, actually. Um, I haven't done such an intense thing in a while just because of like, it was a full immersion into the song. I mean, you've listened to it. It's so beautiful, but it's so haunting um, and heavy. I told, I was telling my family now, just thinking about it. I didn't listen to another song for nine days. It was on day and night. I was feeling like the pulse, the imagery. Um, yeah. And so I guess I broke it down into kind of, images caused by different lines and just sat with um what does that mean how does that look um how can we depict this um in a helpful way and in an inviting way in a real way um sometimes that was just sitting with a line i mean for a few hours on repeat um sometimes it just came like that sometimes it was, yeah, it's, it's hard to describe. I think it was a bit of a trance, but what I was, what I realized when I was thinking about it in preparation for this interview was a lot of the imagery is stuff that had actually been sitting in my system for quite a while. As you said, Black Lives Matter has been, had been, you know, holding a lot of headlines um, and racism is just a constant reality um, in the world, but in South Africa. Um, and so some of the stuff, like there's the structure of racism, it comes early on with like the White House is on it, there's an eagle. Yeah, like actually one of the artworks that Mel from Common Hymnal saw of mine was a structure of racism, right? Uh, I think in some ways, a lot of the imagery had been taking shape within me for, for quite a while. Um, and this became a moment where it was <laughs> poured out, yeah. Definitely, definitely. I think, yeah. too, the fact that, yeah, these images, I think, were so prevalent. Like, we're in a time where you can see, I'll say it, fairly graphic images of what happens. And you see protests and you see just so much anguish um, live in you know in front of your eyes every time you scroll and so I think art has a really cool way of um, using that imagery as something redemptive or as something um, like you said it's it's a motion of contemplation of communal mm -hmm. lament and um, yeah I, I really love that uh, common hymnal it often says or its tagline is praise and protest 
What do you mm. personally think is the role of artwork in protest? And what was that process for you? And maybe in some of your other work, um, you would also describe art as protest. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, so much of protest, I'm thinking about it right now in some other issues I'm in, involved with and just like, there's this desire to both call to lament um, the pain, the injustice of what's happening and also um, to call for an imagination for what could be and an end to that. Um, and I don't know, like, if you know the God of the Bible, if if you can, can you praise without holding the tension of those two things, without the tension of lament and the the tension of imagination? Um, I think that's why so many people you find like having huge issues, including me. With you know, you go into a church. People talk about praising God, but they don't want to talk about, they don't want to lament um, injustice and they don't want to, there's no, there's no space for that. There's no space for imagining what could be. It's, it's like, I don't know. I think I'm struggling to say it because I can't imagine a praise that could be separate to, to lament and imagination and protest. Um, if that makes sense, yeah. Continuing with that, um, what do you think is or can be, I guess, as you said, the role of art in the church to bring attention to and react to real issues today? Mm. I think um, something I've been thinking a lot about right now, and just also, I mean, this, this call in thinking about it has made me um, put into words a lot more. I think you said something, I think you said something about just beauty um, and, and the role of art. And I feel like um, something I've been finding is when you deal with beauty, um, you're dealing with something that can, that, that can enter people from a different you know, it, it comes in a different entrance. It can get under the skin. It can, it brings people's guards down, right? Um, there's the possibility of um, people seeing something that they wouldn't have been willing to see in a debate, maybe. Um, it's something I think a lot about right now. I'm trying to make art around my experience in queerness, you know, with the church and how it's such a painful space. Um, and, and yet I'm finding people are responding to soft <laughs> and beautiful. Um, and I know that's a tension because I also think people should listen to angry mm. and hear the anger. But just to be honest, strategically, like, when you're working with beauty, you're working with, you have a responsibility, I think. And I think people know that this, that beauty has power, right? I was talking to a friend about how some 
churches will manipulate beauty in order to gain access to people i don't know um manipulate the atmosphere of a space play with things um and i think i i think i don't want to forget beauty but i don't want to use it to manipulate i think yeah I think it creates space. So for instance, someone who watches this video, I know plenty of people who really struggle to understand systemic justice um, or systemic injustice and systemic racism. Um, there's such a like reaction to that, right? And yet, I, I mean, I think if you watch this video, it's not like D says systemic racism. It's not like I say systemic racism and yet like, the art is saying it, um, the images, the train is driving between two neighborhoods and the reality of the neighborhoods is different. Like, yeah. And then I, I, th I also think I've been thinking about t-shirts recently because I've just started selling t-shirts. And I think I've just been thinking about how t-shirts or because of the art that's on them can carry something into a space. So art, when it enters a space, can hold meaning um, and can hold space for people. You can signal things, you can, you know. Um, and so I do wonder like about how art can hold space um, almost in the same way that relationships do, but without maybe the cost that relationships can have for people who are vulnerable. Um, that was beautiful, thanks Zach. I I like that idea that art can hold space. Um, and you mentioned several um, of the scenes that you included. Are there any scenes that you, out of this video that you really hope that, that people pay attention to or one that you particularly have a connection to? Um, yeah, just pick a scene and we'll, we'll go through it together. Okay. Um, I think for me, the center image of the whole video um, and the one that I was proudest of, but it's a pretty, it, I don't know, it feels hectic is, I don't remember the voice that's happening, but it's in the chorus and it's of a factory. Um, and there's, and the first person that comes out on the, the conveyor belt is, is it Derek Chauvin? Was that his name? Yeah. Yeah, the police officer who murdered George Floyd. And so he comes out on the conveyor belt um, in that position, like in the, in the photo. And then he falls off and, but then another person comes out of the conveyor belt and then another one and either the third or the fourth comes out and just the conveyor belt stops and they just bow down at the end. Um, and for me, I think it just, I was really hoping to bring a message across of like actually, we're dealing with this moment and a lot of people, you know, it's, I don't know if this is the right context, but scapegoating, like putting all of the racism in this one figure, when actually the issue is that it's, it's in all, you know, like whiteness breeds racism. It's a factory that pushes it out. Um, and so what does it look like to be a product of that? And then to say, oh my gosh, we need you, God, like, yeah. how do we repent? Um, yeah. 
that was that was an important one i mean also just um i guess more on the structures there's that structure i mentioned earlier the racism um machine and then the trains as well like it's all i realized that i really wanted to make that a theme that this is actually a you know this is a system this is a collective this pandemic is it's not a individual thing um right yeah yeah i personally loved also the medium of drawing and then stop motion in itself mm -hmm. it, it adds so much to the story like the way that in transitions there's still shadows and remnants of the previous scene um yeah what was, did you decide to do that stop motion piece um or yeah like the scenes that show motion but still evoke so much I guess time passage or even the idea that there's repetition um going along with the music of contemplation because you hear things over and over again you see things over and over again you see the shadows remain um, that was so cool to to watch and witness and so yeah I want to hear more about that process oh I'm glad you liked that yeah I think I love um I love charcoal and I love I mean it's just so magical when you just I mean you can do honestly my opinion is that some of those individual frames are so ugly um but you can put four individual frames together in a loop and they can make a little moving thing. And it's just like magic. It's literal magic. It's so beautiful. So it's quite an exciting process. I would send, while I was developing it, I would send videos to Mel and Common Hymnal and get a voice note back, Zach, I'm freaking out. And um, yeah, it's just, it's a very, I guess, it's very physical. Um, you have to think about each frame. Um, and you have to think about what you're going to erase. But I, I also love how it leaves a residue of, of um, what had already happened. I think, it, I think for me, and I love that <laughs> it stood out to you, I think it speaks to the beauty side of things, right? Like, it's so, there's so much heaviness. Um, and so for the medium to hold to hold it a bit and to and to try and respond to Dee's voice um, and his words. Um, it almost creates a bit of space. Like even towards the end, there's so much of that heavy imagery. And then, you know, there's that scene towards the end where there's just empty landscapes like the seesaw and the kitchen sink filling and the dog and empty streets. Um, I think all of it's involved in just like making space and and yeah, I guess softening it for people so it can land. Yeah, definitely. And I I think again a big part of this that we've been talking about is this art is telling real true stories, uh, stories of people that you want to honor and represent well through your art. I mean, the beginning of the piece quotes Henry DeMoss and then through the piece you see names and faces that you recognize because you saw them again like we said on headlines repeating over and over so as we never forget um, what what does it mean to you um, 
to represent and share these stories well. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think about it a lot, um, about what does it mean to represent stories, especially when they're not yours um, necessarily. Um, I think there's so much responsibility like in, in and possibility for hurt um, when you're dealing with other people's stories, especially these ones. I think for me, um, I'm very, I, I want to engage in lament, you know? This is about siblings, um, brothers and sisters and siblings across the world. Um, and, um, and for me, I think I'm very aware, especially in this responsibility, like the responsibility of representing, right? Who do you choose? Which person do you draw at any given frame? There's no such, I don't think there's anything, any, um, there's no such thing as a random person, right? When you're drawing or doing art um, and working in representation. So for me, I think, you know, I'm not a professional on any of these topics, right? I'm not well studied, but I think I want to be listening um, and dignifying to, to people, um, responding to injustice, and also always, um, especially when it comes to things like racism, which I do, I have done quite a bit of art on, um, but other injustices, it should always be with a level of attention to and acknowledgement of my own position and critique of my own position um, in it. I have to, if, if I'm thinking about the medicine, I have to locate myself as one of the people coming out of the racism machine. Um, yeah. I really like that you said you have to place yourself in it. Otherwise, like the point is lost if you don't position your own self in it. And so I think reflexivity is a great thing to have always in art. Um, Another piece that stood out to me from your um, artwork is that you chose mostly black and white, but with hints of red that made certain scenes and details stand out. How did you decide which pieces to highlight in red? Yeah, that was so fun actually, just thinking about it. I'm trying to think about the whole thing. Oh, it actually started with the opening image, right? Opening images devastating um and i mean it's a body right it's it's um a body lying on the ground and bleeding out um and i don't I'm, i mean i think it only works as a as a drawing i wouldn't have ever done that as like a, a photo or, or video or anything but it was the blood right I think the blood started it. And then so much, so much I would say of my artistic decisions are accidental or coincidental. And then you just run with it and it works in like almost miraculous ways sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, but it, 
it kind of set a tone, right? That the first image was red and that the red with blood meant that there was an intensity um, and violence to this. Um, and so, you know, then it, then it became interesting, like, how do you work with that? So there's that little scene of communion later on where Kaepernick is um, in the field and everyone's yelling these slurs and then the crowd disperses and um, I chose to show, I guess, I think it was a priest and she walks up to him and does like a little communion thing. And like, it just, I guess it allows a theme to run. Um, and it also gives you ideas, gave me ideas. For, oh, we can do a rose, we can do, yeah. Yeah, I loved that. Thank you. <laughs> um, I guess now we'll move on to a bit more of a focus on theology. Um, mm. you, you mentioned, and we've mentioned quite often that um, I think sometimes the church, and the frustrating part was this last year was that the church almost lost its own reflexivity in this conversation on police brutality, on racism, on the whole thing being very structural, um, being repetitive through history. And so how would you, um, yeah, how would you describe the connection between theology and art, I guess specifically within those type of, yeah, rhythms in the church and its history? Yeah, I can't separate um, art and theology. Um, I kind of see my art as theologizing, um, um, not that I know tons about theology, but, but I do see it as, it's especially like, and this piece is a good example of it, it's interpreting and, and um, contextualizing um, and speaking to the world today and to reality. Um, and yeah, I guess placing it in a real, in a real context. Um, I think what so many, again, we've mentioned this, so many people struggle with um, coming, into so many church spaces is that it they refuse to to have a what's the word a tangible it you know it doesn't touch the world it doesn't it doesn't hold what's real there's no um application to to what's happening what does what does what we're reading have to say to how we're living and where we're living um, and who we're living with um, and who we're not living with and where we're not going. Um, and what do all of those things, our location and our space and what's happening in it, um, all the people around, what do they have to say to what we're reading? And yeah, I don't know. I think I'm coming to the point where I, like, I won't trust the theology unless it's, it's, um, it's considered art and, and creativity because none of scripture, I mean, all of scripture comes to us in creative writing. 
right? And, and poetry and oral tradition and song and mythology and all of that and storytelling. If, we don't, if we're not actually paying attention to that, then we're not faithfully reading what's in front of us. Um, and I don't know, I think I've just grown to respect creativity too much um, and art too much to not hold those two together. Um, and I think when, I think also like for me, the, the creative experience is breaking down the lines. You know, it's not just when I'm sitting down and drawing, but so much of it is um, the experiences I have, people I talk to, sitting down at the dinner table and the conversations that's happening around the world. And, and um, you know, I think what's happening in the world overflows onto the page. I'll, it's, it's, I think in, in my art, let's say it like this, in my art, I'm often thinking like where, and this is theological, where do I locate Christ, right? Um, especially with regards to just power and injustice and justice, where do I locate Christ? Um, and you see it in all of the images of the medicine. Um, but that's not, what I'm trying to say is it's not just on the page. When I'm walking around in the world, I'm asking like, where do I see pierced hands, the nail pierced hands? You see it in a few figures in the medicine. Um, you see it a lot in a video I did for the South African band called We Will Worship um, recently. Um, but in real life, you know, who has pierced hands? Who has the marks of crucifixion and death and execution and oppression? Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, I love the way that, again, it does kind of come back to the idea that art is space. Um, and I also like to think of it as an invitation in. In itself, art can be a message. It's a message in and of itself and not just one spoken from a pulpit, um, you know, far above others. But I think it's one that's communal. One that you said is talked about over the dinner table, discussed on walks. And so, yeah, I, I love that idea that art and theology are just so intertwined. Yeah. Mm. Next question is, what recommendations would you give to someone who wanted to make art as protest or to make art as um, something out of their current context, out of their global context or out of injustices they're seeing? Yeah, <laughs> I think, I think we just need to pay attention. Um, and I think when I'm at my worst, artistically, it's when I'm not paying attention, when I'm not listening, um, when I'm not engaging with people um, and hearing what's going on, right? Um, for me, that's when, when you are paying attention, um, how can you not talk about it? Maybe that's just me. Maybe, I mean, I process through art and be that drawing or writing or, um, or, you know, music and stuff. I think we, 
if we're paying attention, how can we not? Um, and then when, when you do see something, um, to hold it. Like I said, some of those pictures were formed in me for ages. I kind of imagine, I don't know if it's, I think it's old fashioned. So I don't know what it, if it's a candy floss or a taffy thing or toffee or, you know, those machines that spin. I often imagine that um, for myself, just that there's a piece of my brain where that's happening all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's just, you know, this idea. Um, and I mean, sit with it hold it, um, listen to it, trust that if it's something you've seen and if it's something that you're feeling deeply or thinking about, trust that it's gonna take shape. Um, And then specifically for protest, think about like how, how can you, how can you um, create something that speaks to this? How can it become something that that takes the other entrance into people, right? Um, that bypasses their security, that that um, can get under people's skin um, and not leave them. How can you say that um, and hold as much nuance as possible? I think nuance is really important. Um, although, again, like. I'm super tempted to do really blatant direct stuff. And sometimes that's helpful. Sometimes you need a hammer blow. Um, but I think you can figure that out. Yeah. But it's a lot of it just paying attention and sitting and processing. Um, yeah. Definitely. And finally, what recommendations would you give to someone wanting to connect more? Um, to God through their artwork? I think it's a lot of the same. (laughs) Um, Just because how can you read the, or if you read the God of the scriptures, then, then you have to be attentive to what's going on in the world, to injustice, to your neighbor, um, to your enemy. Um, I don't know. I think, I, I don't know as much. I, th- I think I haven't been raised into it and I don't, and I don't, I guess, relate necessarily. So, I, so I'm gonna try and put it into my own words, but of, with connecting to God, I think so often, um, that can look like the you know the individual relationship thing and for me I think I'm just trusting that that if I follow um, attention to those things um, that I said just now that 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 will lead you into relationship with God because that's you know that's part of the fullness of shalom the interconnectedness of of all things, um, but I think even just for a practice of coming, I journal a lot. Um, it's really important to me. That's just how I am, um, and so to come into a space where to reflect on those things regularly um, is so important. I think if there's any space of connection that happens more in my heart, that's where 
um, because yeah, holding things is heavy. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, just thank you so much, Zach. It's been fantastic to hear from you and on this specific piece. How could someone learn more about you and your work? Thanks so much. Um, you can watch more common hymnal videos. Um, yeah, I've done a few artworks. You should also, they've, they've got a video that my friend Ronald did. You have to check him out as well. Um, but otherwise, <laughs> Instagram, uh, Zaki underscore artstew. <laughs> um, or that's pretty much it right now. Um, but yeah. Love it. Thank you so much, Zach, for your time, for inviting us into seeing art as a space, uh, sitting and holding lament, and loving a God of praise and protest. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. Please don't forget to subscribe to our channel on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the platform you prefer. If you think this could be helpful for someone you know, please share it with them. The best compliment we can receive is a referral to someone else. See you next time.